friends had heard Angela and were telling me about her. And I'm sorry for those of you that heard this three times already, but it is really significant because anyone who knows me knows that I have been on a relentless pursuit of wholeness. I, I have had many people tell me they don't know anyone who has sought healing more intentionally than I have. I had a lot to heal from, and I just thought, I, one thing I share with Angela is I've always felt, well, if God said what he says in the word about abundant living and all the promises, either he's real and that's true or it's not. And I was going to every inner healing ministry known to man. I did counseling. I, I did it all. I did receive lots of healing from those things, so I don't say that they weren't worthwhile and that they didn't get me where I am now, but they were only taking me so far and never, I could never get that, like, you know, what I was really looking for kind of thing. So when I heard Angela that first night, I have to admit it was like drinking from a fire hydrant, but my spirit was so resonating with the, the it, she spoke a new language, but it was the language I've always been looking for. That's the only way I can describe it. I didn't leave here knowing okay, now I have to do one, two, and three, or A, B, and C. I just was like, oh my God, what was that? What just hit me? Things could actually, you could almost say, got worse before they got better in that everything I was always trusting in that I've been told in the church and from people who were seeking the same things I have been seeking really didn't match what Angela was sharing. So it's, you go through that conflict of like, but I've been told my whole life, you know, especially when we talk about emotions, you can't trust emotions. Well, I'm one of the most in tune to my emotion people. Well, I'm really, I really haven't been. I thought I was. Emotions have been a big part of my life. So it was always like, I'm doing something bad. I'm doing something wrong because my emotions were always so, you know, stirred up or whatever. You just got to trust that if you have the same response I do, did tonight, don't leave here feeling condemned or like you have to figure it all out or what do I do with it now? Just trust that if you start hearing this new language, you are going to be aware of things that you've never been aware of before. God has been so faithful to continually, I, I love because Angela says the same thing, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I love that because I believe it with my whole heart. Every step of my journey, when I was ready for the next piece, God brought me the person or the people that were that much further ahead of me in the journey that were able to offer me what I was looking for. And when Angela came into my life, I cried and cried and cried because it's like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. And I have gone to two of her retreats. I've listened to her countless times on, on recordings. I talked to her on the phone and I just spent a whole month with her and she's working herself out of a job because she's been mentoring me, but now I'm getting more excited about the times when I'm like, I don't really want you to go on a walk with me today because I just want to be with Jesus. That's a new place for me, and it's what I've been looking for. And it doesn't look exactly like Angela's way of you know, relating with him, obviously, and that's what I love, is I'm developing my own relationship with him, and I've had some of the most incredible, life-changing experiences and encounters that I've been looking for my whole life. And it didn't come easy, and I still, I took a nap this afternoon because we had a day today that was just, it blew my mind, and I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you about what happened today, okay? Let's just not even talk about it, didn't I? That's I exactly like, what she says, I am drunk. One I'm like, my mind is just like, a man got healed, so much revelation, a vision I had years ago was in front of us, it was just crazy, over the top, amazing. And didn't I tell, if you were here Wednesday night, we see miracles every day. If not every day, we're surprised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't know that was possible because I used to see miracles on occasion. Yeah. Like, and when the miracle would happen, like, oh my God, I'd call everybody in the whole world like that I could find and tell them the miracle. But now there's so many miracles happen. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that other miracle. What a problem to yeah, have, yeah. right? To have so many miracles. You go, oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that lady that got healed. Yeah. That's how our life is. It is. And it's not for one person. And it's not about a name. It's not about the name of Angela or so-and-so or so-and-so or such-and-such. No, it's about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's about the name above all names. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the miracles that we see happen, no one's trying to make them happen. Mm -hmm. How cool is that? We're just preaching the Word of God, and we find out that signs and wonders and miracles happen. Yeah. Isn't that just the way it should be? Like we're not looking, we're not searching for sign and wonder. We're not searching for miracles. We're not even praying that they would come. You know what we're doing? We're seeking the kingdom of God that's already in you. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will be added? All. all. And all means, I'm sorry, what does all mean? It does mean all. <laughs> so I'm going to just say two more things that I think are pertinent because... Um, one of the things I said to Angela today is I used to feel like I had to journal everything in my life because I love to journal and I love to keep track of all the cool things God's doing. I put my journals away for that kind of thing and I, I only do it to process you know, certain things that are going on with me because I can't keep up with it anymore and I don't want to be like I have to do that because this is my life now. This is what I'm going to be experiencing all the time and I love that. And I told her today I don't even feel like I have to share everything I'm learning or hearing with you because there's just too much. It's enough now that it's just settling in here and I'm like, God, this really is a way of life. This is what I've been, this is the abundant life I've been looking for. But I have noticed that, um, again, when I said, when, when the student's ready, the teacher comes. So I really believe that every person sitting here has been drawn by the Lord to be here or you wouldn't be sitting here. There's a lot of people I thought would be that didn't come and the ones, some that come surprised me that they did and, and some I'm like, oh yeah, of course they're drawn to this. So I met a young woman here the other night who we said just very few words to each other and the tears were flowing because there was such an identification of, yeah, you too, huh? You've been looking, like she just, she resonated with just the way I did the first time I heard this. But what I really want to encourage you guys to keep in mind is the, the word tempering, you know, my body, because I have felt emotions so deeply and, and sometimes the intensity of it affects my body in what I would call a negative way like it feels it's hard like my body has had to get tempered I used to literally have some pretty wild manifestations my body just shaking out of control because I wasn't I, I couldn't contain this new revelation it was so overwhelming and it I was sort of I don't know a little embarrassed about it and a little like whoa but you know what? over time I've, re I've really become tempered the things that used to do that to me don't and it's not there's nothing wrong with that we just can't take it at first it's just I don't know if you want to speak into that but I, I look around and I know people talk about oh I had a headache or I felt like I needed a nap and I mean that is just totally I mean, some normal. of them need a four-day nap <laughs> somebody and that's the last thing I wanted to say is we have been doing sessions this week that were people that were on a waiting list from before and one of them was somebody that's near and dear to my heart, you guys, that I have loved this young man forever, and I can't even tell you, like, just to watch what happened for him, and this is, it's, it's the real deal, I'm just telling you, it's really good. So I hope you can just take that for what it is and just sit back and just let your spirit hear what you can't necessarily take notes on everything. Okay, what we're going to do, um, let me tell you a little bit about the kind of teacher that I am. Um, I'm not typical. I don't have a list of what I need to tell you. 
I don't have an outline. I've tried numerous times to create outlines, to make something available so that I could duplicate myself because that's what I was told I needed to do. If you could duplicate yourself, if you could replicate this same thing over and over again, you would be more marketable. And uh, so I asked God, and the Lord said to me, take no thought for what you shall say, but I'll give you what to say in the very hour. Now that I didn't like. Do you know why? It means I wasn't in control. It means I had to listen and trust in the very hour, in the very moment, what it is that I'm going to say. Even as I was before the Lord this morning and earlier this week, Lord, what do you want me to start with? Like, I, I got, you've given me so much information that I could literally talk to you, and I'm not exaggerating. Nancy lived with me for 30 days. Not I'm not exaggerating. I could tell you, we could be sitting outside and a bug crawl beside us, and God would speak revelation out of it. That's how God is. The Bible says in John, the 21st chapter, that if all the things were recorded that Jesus spoke and did, that the world couldn't contain it. So even though I sit before you today as a mouthpiece, I am not your teacher. I am a student. And the student is only speaking to you what the teacher gave the student. When I wrote Good Morning Sunshine, I had multiple people read the book because as a writer and a speaker, what's difficult for me is when I'm typing, I can be thinking that I typed something and I didn't. It was just in my mind while I was typing. And so I might miss out on transition or I might type, you know, a chapter and like there's a big gap of segue. Like, how did you get to that point? I'm like, oh, I typed that. Like, no, Angela, it's not in here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. No, that's not in here. So it was difficult for me as a speaker slash author to include all the points. So I had multiple, multiple people read my book to say, tell me what questions you have. Are there any gaps in this chapter here or there? And one of the ladies, a dear friend of mine, love her, trust her, her suggestion was that I take out the story of what happened and just give you the knowledge. And so I wrestled with it for 12 months. I wouldn't even keep writing because I was like, man, why would I do that? If I do that, then I'm going to appear as though I'm the teacher rather than the student. And I picked my book up one day and I said, you know what, God? That's a great idea. But it doesn't set well with my gut because it somehow positions me above other people. God says, don't esteem one another. So in the, in the foreword of Good Morning Sunshine, I tell you that story. And how I am today the student and shall ever remain the student. And with Nancy, one of the things I showed her was I said, Nancy, I didn't bring you here to make you codependent on me. I'm not building a following of people to follow Angela. What I am doing is I'm going to teach you a new language. I'm going to open your eyes, and I'm going to open your ears, and I'm going to help you hear the Holy Spirit how in all things. And when I give that to you, why can I give that to you? Because it's been given unto me. 
Jesus told his disciples after they asked, why do you talk to the people like this and all these terrible things? He said, because it hadn't been given unto everyone to see and hear. It's been given unto you. Now you go and open their eyes and ears. How is it that he, that he could tell them to do that? Because you can't give away something you don't have. So all I'm going to do over this workshop period of time is I'm going to give you what I've been given. Now tomorrow we'll have tables for you. Tonight's a short night, relatively short, um, when you consider tomorrow all day and into the evening. Um, we're going to have tables set up so that you can lean on it. And if you fall asleep, that's okay. Somebody can wake you up whenever. But, um, but the reason is because it's going to be a tough day tomorrow. I'm not going you know, to say, oh, it's so wonderful. Come hear me speak for 12 hours. Um, it's going to be taxing on your body. This is to change your life. It's not just good information for you to go, oh, that was a great class. Glad I went. No, the people that I invite to my home for session or that I go to to speak to, this is who I tell, if you don't match this, don't come to me. If you have not tried everything else, if you have not done everything that you think you can do to walk in this abundant life and have righteousness, peace, and joy, and you haven't, you're not fully persuaded that nothing else works, do not come to my class. I don't have time to argue or rebuttal. It's not that I don't care about them. It's just that they're not going to be able to hear me. And there's too many that are able and ready to hear me. For me to spend my time trying to persuade someone that what I heard as revelatory information from the voice of God, I don't need to persuade anyone. I used to think I needed to. But no, you, you need to hear this. My children have never been left forsaken nor begging for bread. See, to have bread with someone is to have communion. To have communion is to have fellowship. To beg someone to fellowship with you, that means you don't know your identity. See, I know my identity now. I didn't know who I was. I was constantly, constantly looking for someone to come into my life and approve of me. Whether that was my mother, my father, my sisters, my friends, my coach, my teacher, my husband and other peers and people that I met. And if I didn't get your approval, it would really upset me and rock my boat. But whenever I found out that there was a thing called, and my father shall never reject me, identity, I began to pursue that. Because if you look at the sentence where Jesus is talking about, or the text where Jesus is talking about, I know that you have need of man's approval, but my father shall never reject me. If you're an English teacher, those two things don't go together, do they? They're like, wait a minute, you're not even talking about the same stuff in the same sentence. Like, do one paragraph on people rejecting you, and are proven of you, and then do another paragraph on your father doesn't reject you, right? Wouldn't that be right if you're like writing a paper? So I said, God, why did you put this in the same sentence? Like you know that I have need of man's approval, but you, a totally different person, has a father that won't reject him. What does that have to do with me needing people's approval? Angela, the only way for you to not need another person's approval is for you, for you to know that Father loves you. And when you know that Father loves you, 
You'll never be in need of anything again. Anything. Why? Because all does mean all. Remember, we qu- I quoted uh, Wednesday night, if you were here, that count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations because that's going to work out, uh, it's going to perfect you and work patience in you, that ye may be lacking nothing. And nothing means nothing. Can you imagine a life with no lack? No lack of joy? Abundant? Peace? Righteousness? The kind of life that Jesus said, if you would just consider the lily and the sparrow and understand that, you would be full. Now, I actually have taken the lily and considered it. Like, pulled it up on Google and studied everything I could about the lily. From the etymology of the lily, to where it grows, to the different kinds of lilies, to why the lily in the, why she was called the lily in the valley, why she was a lily among thorns. See, when God says to consider something, he, it's not just a cute idea. Study to show thyself approved. The Bible says that God conceals a matter, or hides it, but a king and a priest will search it out. So why would God do that? To reveal who the sons of God are. And the sons of God are here to rule and reign and be, per- be perfect. What is perfection? Love your enemies. That's perfection. Reign on the just and the unjust. Be ye perfect, even as heavenly Father is perfect. For he reigns on the just and the unjust. Love your enemies. Well, guess what? I tried that really, really hard. I couldn't even love those who were not my enemies. I couldn't love my husband who I loved. Now, if I can't love the one in front of me, who I can see, how am I going to love God who I cannot see on an enemy who's buffeting me? Let me take it a little step further. How are you going to expect someone else to know and understand your emotions if you yourself are running from them? If you don't understand your own emotions, how can your husband? If a man doesn't know what his needs are, how can the wife know? See, that's where it starts. In knowing who you are. I wrote a quote in Good Morning Sunshine that says this. To live in this body and not know myself is the same as to live in the presence of God and not know he exists. It's pretty deep. Studied out. It's a lot of information in that one quote. Now, over this weekend, I am going to talk a little bit about judgment. And judgment is something when you first get introduced to it, it's going to appear as though it's your enemy. But I'll teach you to love it. Judgment is not your enemy. Judgment is the very thing that will deliver you from pride. So I asked God, I said, God, when I teach on the subject of judgment, everybody freaks out and they try to quit and then they can't, then they feel hopeless, and then they're like all messed up again. So how do I help them with this judgment thing? Give me something simple. If you're writing, take this down. Judgment is the fabric 
used by the Holy Ghost to fashion your garments of humility that deliver you from the pride of life. Judgment is the fabric used by the Holy Ghost to fashion your garments of humility that deliver you from the pride of life. The reason I ask for that is because when you first really see judgment, it is not easy to look at. The Holy Spirit came to reveal righteousness, judgment, and sin. God asked me one day, Angela, do you know what righteousness, judgment, and sin are? And I said, sure I do. He said, oh, really? Maybe the Holy Ghost is here for no reason then. I was like, oh, I'm being presumptuous, huh? I was like, okay, God, maybe I don't know. But I was told, who told you, Angela? Well, my teachers. Well, who are your teachers, Angela? Well, you know, my leaders, God. Well, who, who are your leaders? Who told them what righteousness, judgment, and sin are? I don't know. Probably their teachers. So, see, the question is, who's your teacher? Who do you go to for answers? If I'm your teacher, I'm going to teach you I'm not your teacher. I'm going to teach you the Holy Ghost is your teacher and shall teach you all things. That's your real teacher. So how do we start today? That was your introduction. We're going to start talking about how you were created. Some of this will be a little bit redundant for those who are here Wednesday night. However, I don't think you'll mind. God created us in his likeness and image. That is a foundation for you. When you understand that, then you will see yourself as you are, and you will see that you are loved, and you will see that everything is for you, nothing is against you, and even if something is against you, God is working it out for your good so that you can see him in it, and, and God's not bound by time. And if you are made in God's image, you don't know it yet, but you're not bound by time. You're not bound by time. Why? If you're made in God's image and he's past, present, and future, guess what you are? Past, present, and future. I'll prove it to you. Can you close your eyes right now and remember something that happened in your past? Sure can, can't you? Can you open your eyes and just pay attention to the seat that you're sitting on, the temperature in the room, the feeling in your feet, whether your eyes are clear or not, and all the things around you, and can you live in the present? You just did. And can you wonder about tomorrow and how long you will live? And can you wonder about what will happen and whether your bills will get paid or how they'll get paid or maybe they won't get paid? Can you wonder about your car? Can you wonder about your education? Can you wonder about your children? That's the future. See, you're not bound to be in in any one. As a matter of fact, most of us don't even live in the present. We live in the past, worrying about the future. God said, call those things that are not as though they are. Jesus said, I don't even do anything unless I see my Father do it. That means he saw it before it got here. I was working with a woman yesterday, and I saw myself adjust her back. I'm like, I'm not a chiropractor. I'm not adjusting that woman's back. <coughs> I ain't doing that. And I saw myself again. So I get up and I was like, would you mind turning on your side? Would you be okay if I did this? 
She was in pain, about a level of a 10. And I did what I saw myself do in my mind. Her back moved. Have I ever done that before in front of no. you? She's like, wow, is there anything you can't do? I'm like, I don't know. I said, I'm thinking, I'm not doing that. My mind argued with me. But I saw myself do it before I did it. That was the future. See, when you begin to walk in hearing the Holy Spirit and seeing, and you will actually say what you hear the Father say and you will do what you see the Father do. Is that not what Jesus said we should be doing? Like, do we believe him? Or we think he just said cutesy things? He said that greater works will you do. Are you going to give up on those greater works? Or are you going to press in and get to them? See, the reason you're here is because I believe that part of my job, part of my mandate, part of my destiny is to wake you up to who you are. You are already the image of God in the earth. And the earth is groaning, waiting for you to wake up. So what is the image of God? What does it look like? It looks like male and female and child. Positive, negative, neutral. And God made everything out of particles and waves. And the first putting together or the first manifestation of the particle and the wave coming together so that it could be observed is an atom, A-T-O-M. Isn't it interesting that everything's made out of an atom and we all came from Adam? Do you think that's an accident? It's not an accident. I asked God one time, why did sin have to enter the earth? Why did Adam and Eve have to eat from that tree and cause all this outflow or overflow or whatever you want to call it, like backlash? He said, Angela, don't you know it takes the splitting of an atom to fuse two atoms? What? Yeah, you know the bomb in Hiroshima? See, that was a splitting of an atom. See all the aftermath of that? That's what the earth is still experiencing. But you think destruction is the end when I know destruction is only the beginning. Look at a seed. It's destroyed, but it only brings forth life. So the splitting of Adam and Eve was really only multiplication. You just didn't know it. And it took the splitting of that Adam, Adam and Eve, to fuse two Adams, first Adam and second Adam, us and Christ. Do you know what the sun is? Anybody here a scientist? What is it? Of what? Atoms. It's fusion of atoms. And what does it produce? Light. It's also called a water maker because of the hydrogen. And sun brings the water out of things. Hydrogen is called the water maker. H2O. You know what? In the word Yahweh, it's Yah, uh, Yah, Hey, Vod, Hey. There's two H's in it, but there's one O. Am I speaking a new language? I am, that, aren't I? I'm speaking a whole new Yod, Hey, Vod, Hey. Hey is the letter H. There's two H's in the name of God. There's two breaths. The breath of God received into the breath of Adam. And there's only one perception, one O. The letter O means eyeball. It means perceive. It means to see fully, not to see half. See how that's the letter C? 
This is the letter O. Take man, connect him with God, and then he can see. God's always an O. God is a wheel, and when we get complete, we become a wheel inside of a wheel. We become one with God. I understand that I'm talking to you in a language that you're confused a little bit. Am I right? Why am I doing this? Because I'm opening you up to a new way of thinking. It's almost like going into your first algebra class. My first algebra class, y plus 2 equals 4. Why? Why does plus 2 equal 4? Why don't you say what plus 2 equals 4? Why say why plus 2 equals 4? Just say what. Then I would understand it. I didn't know the why was a place value or a, an open space for anything's possible. Tell me what goes in there. I was thinking why plus 2 equals 4. I don't know why plus 2 equals 4. <laughs> Hey, what are you talking about? See, that's what's happening to you right now. When I learned my time tables, they were teaching me like to remember them. And I got home and I said, Mama, I can't remember these things. They don't make sense. She said, baby, I'm going to show you what it means. Now, why my teacher didn't give me this information? I went back and I was like, why didn't you tell me this? But this is what my mom told me. First, I'm going to tell you how confused I was. Why? Because I want to validate where you are because I can't really take you where I want you to go until you think that I know a little bit about what I'm saying. I'm not crazy. Okay? I, I Think about this. If 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 2 times 2 equals 4, then I thought 2 plus 3 equals 5, 2 times 3 equals 5. I was like, well, why does it equal 6? That doesn't make sense. If 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 2 times 2 equals 4, then 2 plus 3 equals 5 and 2 times 3 should equal 5. You see my analogy as a little bitty girl in the third grade? So Mama said, oh, no, baby, you don't know what times means. I was like, no, I don't. They just keep telling me what it equals, but I can't figure it out. She said, baby, what if I sent you to the store to get me two apples? And you got back and I said, oh, baby, I'm sorry you have to go a second time, but I need two more apples. Would you go get me two more apples? So if you go to the store two times and get two apples, how many apples do you have? So we actually drew it on a piece of paper, walking back and forth and getting the two apples and two more. I was like, what equals four? I'm like, Mom, I already got that one. Okay, now let's do two apples, but I'm going to send you to the store three times. So we draw it out. Two apples, two apples, two apples. She said, now count them. <gasps> oh, my God. Mom, it's six. That's why because you went to the store three times and got two, and it equals six. That's how I understood my timetable. She made sense. She didn't ask me to memorize it. So what I'm doing to you right now, I understand it's like an algebra class. I understand it's a different language. Hang in there with me. This tonight and tomorrow is going to open you up to a new way of thinking. I'll give you another example of God talking to me in a language that doesn't make any sense at first. <clears throat> Did you know without darkness you can't see? That's what God told me. I was like, no, without light you can't see. That was my answer. And God said, Angela, what if I put two lights in your eyes, like at the doctor's office at the same time, what would you see? And I said, well, nothing. He said, exactly. Without darkness you can't see. I was like, oh. So do you know that your eyeball squeezes out light? Isn't that right? It squeezes it, doesn't it? Go look in Isaiah 45 where it said God formed the light. 
you know what it really means? God squeezed out the light. It's the same word. Same thing your eyeballs do. And then the next, in that same sentence, and God formed the darkness. You know what it says there? What, what the word formed means? Fed you darkness. Why would God feed me darkness? Doesn't that sound confusing? Doesn't that sound like, don't feed me no darkness? It means to feed you an absence. How can you feed me an absence? What color is my shirt? Orange. That's what you thought it was, but it's really not, is it? My shirt is feeding you melon. It's holding on to every other color but melon. The fabric is receiving the light from this room and absorbing every ray of the light except that which equals melon. And that melon bounces off of my shirt and feeds your eyes. It fed you darkness. See, darkness is an absence of something. It's not a presence of something. So now we're going to go back to the atom. The atom is a positive. That means a giver. The atom is a negative. That means an absence. A receiver. And the atom is a neutral. It means all things are possible. So why do we have a neutral in an atom? Because everything that is God created, including you, including me, is always seeking a balance or harmony. So when there's an atomic weight of something, that neutral in the atom will become whatever it needs to be to bring balance. Anybody in here in chemistry? You in chemistry? Anybody? Am I accurate? Seeking a balance. That's why we need a neutral. It really means all things are possible. Christ is the Son in whom all things are possible. He's the neutral. God the Father, God the Mother, and the Son. Father, Holy Spirit, Son. How was Adam created? In the likeness and the image of God, male and female created He them. See, we haven't been taught about the negative, and that's why I'm here. I'm here to teach you how important the negative is because if you don't have the negative, you do not have dunamis. Do you know what dunamis is? Power. You cannot have light without a negative. You cannot have electricity without a negative. I would love it if I could do this because it would be like so cool, but you wouldn't agree to it. But wouldn't you like it if I said, reach under your chair and there's a prize like Oprah? And you get it out, it's a nine-volt battery. And I tell you, okay, just put your tongue on one portal. Pick one, positive or the negative, I don't care which one, but only one portal. And you put your tongue on one portal. Let's just say, oh, I like positive. I like, I'm going to think positive. Uh, positive, nothing, nothing. Positive, nothing. Positive, nothing. Okay, oh, well, I'm going to think negative. I'm just going to think negative. I don't like negative, but I'll think it. Nothing. Well, Angel doesn't do anything. Oh, well, just put the two together. Go ahead and try both. Uh. <laughs> Why? Because when you have both, you have power. That's what this weekend is about. That you will learn to embrace the negatively charged ion. That's really what this is about. Don't you want power in your life? 
Don't you need power for change and transformation and whatever your needs are? Do you know that you can work till the cows come home and you can make all the bricks of Egypt and all you're going to have is a pyramid for someone else? Joseph came and fed the people in Egypt and went into prison, all that different stuff, and he delivered the people. God used slavery to deliver us. Why? Why would God use slavery to deliver us? Because you've got to be sick and tired of slavery before you'll come out of it. And then once you come out of it, you have to believe that nothing's too big for God and you have to believe that everything is too big for you. Everything is too big for you. You have to be fully persuaded that you cannot make yourself white. Do you know what it means to make bricks? Don't look it up in the Hebrew. It means to make yourself white. That's why Jesus called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you whitewashed tombs, but you're full of your own dead bones. You know what a bone is? It's a word. Romans 1 and 20, this is a key verse for everything you hear me teach. Everything that God created reveals that which is unseen, including the eternal Godhead and power, and we are without excuse. So everything that God created, and everything means everything. It actually says everything created. It didn't even say that God created. So even if a man created something and God gave him the wisdom, it still has revelatory information in it. So everything that's created is revealing something. So bones are revealing something. So I'm going to tell you how I learned this because I didn't learn it from man nor in school. I'm driving to work. I'm going down the road looking at the sunrise, listening to my Christian music, driving, and a cartoon shows up in front of my eyes. A cartoon. It looks like I'm watching Sesame Street while I'm driving. And it's the word, word, written with little bitty bones. And they, the word comes in front of me, then they all fall in a little pile, and the cartoon disappears. I'm like, what was that? That's so weird. And God said, words are bones. Look them up. Look them up. What? Google, does word mean bones? Can't find it like that. Google says, uh, are you human? Are you stupid? So I go, God, how is words bones? He said, Angela, don't when somebody say something, you even say, I hung on every word he said. Your bones are a framework for all of your flesh, your power, your strength. And words are the framework through which you live your life. It's your belief framework is out of words. And he says, and doesn't the bones hold the marrow that creates the blood? Yeah. And isn't the bones what connects everything together? And that, that is where the joints are and the sinew and the, and the tendons and all that. And the ligaments and everything. Isn't that all connected together? One bone, hip bone connected to the leg bone, blah, blah, blah. Remember the Ezekiel song? Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, right? <laughs> oh, them bones. He said, prophesy what? The wind. Prophesy to the wind. Remember, Yah, hey, Bob, hey. So I look up the word, I'm continuing to look up the word bones, and I'm looking up marrow and everything, and I realize that blood is what's made in the bone. And guess what the Bible says about blood? That's where the life is. 
and the blood goes through the heart. That's the main place, right? And out of the heart becomes what? All the issues of life. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. And what is in your speech? The power of life and death. Oh, that's how bones are words and words are bones. Oh, my gosh. God, I didn't know that. Then I started telling people that they thought I was nuts. I said, Lord, I'm going to put a skull on my table. <laughs> They're going to think I'm wicked and doing voodoo or something. Yeah. And they was going to come in my house and it'll be a great centerpiece. <laughs> They'll ask me what it is and I'll say, oh, that's grandfather. <laughs> you want to talk to him? What grandfather? Oh, did you know that Father God's called your grandfather? Go look it up in Hebrew. Jesus was buried and hung at the place, well, he was hung, not buried, but he, he died at a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Do you know that every bone in your body declares the kingdom of God? You have a temporal lobe. You have a temple right here. Not, that's not the temporal lobe, but they have a temple right here, right? Guess what happens to a, a serial killer, this part of the brain where the empathy is felt? It dies. It don't even work. The temple... The, the part of the brain behind the temple stops working and that's, that's what we know that happens in all serial killers. They have zero remorse. Why? Because the temple is dead. There's no life in the temple. Septum in the nose. I was working with a woman. She had a deviated septum to the left. I looked, at, looked up the word deviated septum. The word, uh, it, it led me to uh, perversion. And I asked the woman, I said, did you have incest on your father's side? She said, how do you know that? I said, I don't, I'm asking. She said, yes, my father was the first one to stop it. And there's four people in my family that have deviated septums. Had another man one time that had broke his femur on his left leg right above his knee. He said, Angela, are you sure about all this stuff with the body and the bones and that your body can't lie and, you know, that really our bodies tell everything? I said, well, he said, what about accidents? I said, I don't know. I'm just telling you what he's told me, but I haven't asked that question. Let's ask. I said, so what, how, did you, how did you break your femur? What happened? So he tells me a sudden accident, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, well, let's look it up. So I get my etymology, because remember, etymology is the study of words. And God created the earth by what? Word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And there was nothing that was created with that, that was not created with Christ, meaning the word. So I look up this word, femur, and I know what the knee means. The knee is our place that bends. It's the genuflector. It's the place that connects the soul to the rest of the body. And I know that shin and calf have to do with anger because I've studied all that. I've studied as many parts of the body that God's led me to. I've studied them. So I know that there's, this is the father connection right here from what I've studied. And it's right above the Father connection. I know it's the left side of the body, which is also the Father. Why? Because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. That makes Father on left. And so I asked him, I said, this is a weird question, but did, you, did your Father ever make you feel emasculated? He said, why are you asking me that? I said, I don't know. That's the only thing I can find is female. And I know it's right above something pushed you away from your Father. It disconnected you from your Father. I'm just asking, is it true? Did that happen? He said, when I was a little child, I was sent away. And the person that I was sent away to go to study with was a man. And the man sodomized me. And I never told my dad. I didn't tell my dad because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And so I felt like it was my daddy's fault, even though it really wasn't his fault. And I never felt close to my daddy the same way ever again. 
See, everything declares the glory of God. Now, was that the glory of God, meaning like God did that? No, because we misunderstand the word glory. We think the word glory means to give credit to or to worship. That is not what the word glory means. Glory comes from the same word meaning to glow. It means to shine a light on. It means to bring understanding and full perception. G-L-O-W. Let me, let me just write this down if you are writing. Write down G. That's the word gimel, the letter gimel in the Hebrew alphabet. It means the giver. It means one who is charitable, one who loves. So gimel means one who loves, one who gives. It actually means one who chases you down because you're poor to give to you. That's what the letter G means. L means God. It's the, the lamed. It's the very center of the Hebrew alphabet. It also means lamb. Elohim, El Shaddai. So that's the letter L. And the letter O means to perceive. It means to have all knowledge, not half knowledge. See, this letter C is the same as the C. But this letter O means oh. It means I understand. I get it. It means full perception. And then W is a double U. What is the W? You and God. So to glow means God gives you through the Lamb perception when the two of you are one. And it is the glory us. God is glory us. God is glowing in us. He's glorying in us. He's given revelation knowledge in us. Does anybody in here not hear me? Can, are you hearing something you've never heard before? See, I'm speaking in new tongues. Now, do I speak in the Holy Ghost tongues? Yes. But if I speak in that and you don't understand me, I'm just edifying myself. But if I give you the revelation hidden in the Word, in the beginning was the Word, I'm giving you revelation from the Word, within the Word, in the depths of the Word, so that you can see and hear how in all things. So the glory of God means to see God in everything. It means to see truth. It means to see knowledge. It means to see understanding. It means to know. It means to, to be able that which is blind can see. See, people think that give God the glory means to give him credit. If there was a dead person on the floor right here that you brought in on a stretcher, and I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, would you need me to say, okay, now, 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 uh, don't give me the credit. Would you need me to say that? Yeah, you would. I couldn't take that glory if I tried. You wouldn't even believe me if I tried. Am I right? So does God really need me to give him glory? Do you understand what I'm saying? So what does it mean to give God glory? I'm going to teach you that. It means to lean not unto your own perception. Why? Because when you lean unto your own perception, you are giving breath, power, you're giving that part to yourself. You are breathing on yourself rather than waiting for God to breathe on you. So this is what it looks like when you do that. When you lean unto your own understanding, it literally means, go look up the word lean. It means when you bow down your knee and worship your own understanding. 
Worship means to acknowledge. Worship means pay attention to. Worship means to wait on. Worship means to observe. Look that word up. See if I'm telling you the truth. So if you observe your own perception, you are self-worshipping. Isn't that amazing? Lean not into your own understanding. It means to worship yourself. So how do you do this? What am I talking about? I'm talking about when you give God the glory, what it literally means, it means that you have you see something. You can be looking at your past. You can be looking at your future. You can be looking at your, your present. But you don't give credence. You don't give credit to the way you see it. You look at it and you say, Father... This is how I see it, but I know that I only see in part, not hear in part. Father, would you give me your eyes and let me see this? That's giving God the glory. That is glory us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can you hear me? Okay, let me show you what it looks like when you give the, the word hey or, or the letter H to your own perception. How many eyes do you have? One sees the left, one sees the right, and they come together and they have peripheral and they get a perception. If you close one eye, it's, things look totally different, right? As a matter of fact, when you're shooting a gun, some people shoot a gun with one eye. I shoot mine with both eyes open. I shoot a, a bow with both eyes open. Some people shoot with both eyes, uh, one eye closed, but actually you're a better target if you shoot with both eyes open. It takes a little practice, but you can do it. But what happens when you see with your own eyes, you're only seeing from the knowledge of good and evil. That's how we're made. We ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because Adam and Eve ate from it. So that's your perception. If you trust that, you're doing exactly what Adam and Eve did. And the reason you trust it is you think you can do something. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Isn't that right? Tell me what to do and I'll do it. God told them twice, no Moses, tell them to hear me intelligently. I delivered you from Egypt and I'll deliver you again. They said, no, 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 just tell us what to do, and we'll do it. I think sometimes God might have thought, okay, I'll tell them to make bananas. Holy Ghost says, no, honey, you know that they can't do that. Well, they think that. It's just as crazy for them to think they can love me with all their heart and not lie. Not, what are we going to do with these kids? Just give them what they want. They'll come home, tucking their tails behind them. Twice God tells us, no, I'm your deliverer. No, 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 just tell us what to do. Don't you realize we're still doing that when we look with our own eyes? So if you give breath to your own perception, half sight here, half sight here. Remember I told you whole sight is like this, right? So half sight here, half sight here. Guess what happens if you rise one above another? What letter do you get? The letter S. Guess what happens if you give breath to the letter S? What deceived Eve? It says serpent, but look it up in the Hebrew. It actually says the <laughs> deceived her. Look up that word and it says past experiences and a word spell. Magic divination. And control and manipulation is as magic, witchcraft, manipulation 
When you try to manipulate your future based on your yesterdays, you are actually working in witchcraft and you don't even know it. My, my, my. Positive, negative, neutral. You are the child. As a child, you should stay neutral. But when you become a bride of Christ, guess what a bride is? A receiver. A bride is a receiver. It's the womb. That's what the it's a place for planting. It's the same thing as the earth. What are we made out of? Dust and mud. What happens? I mean, I'm sorry, mud, uh, dust and blood, and we call it mud. Dust and blood, and we call it mud. Go look that up. I'm, all of these things I'm telling you are in your Bible. They're literally in the Hebrew. I didn't come up with my own words. I didn't make these up. I studied them in depth, not just flat. Let me tell you why I studied them in depth. I was um, crying to God because I, God had revealed to me that I was aborting his word the same way that women abort their babies. And um, the way that he showed me this was God had spoke a word to me and it manifested in my body and I went crippled. And when I went crippled, at the same time I went crippled, a paraplegic upper body was healed. And all my upper body was exact, the exact manifestations in his body happened in my body. And I heard God say, heal the cripple. The message that came forth that day was, if you see God, you will run, you will leap, you will jump, you will shout. If you ever really see, see Jesus, you will not be able to contain yourself. Well, that day I saw Jesus, not with my physical eyes, but manifest in my body. And I heard him say, heal the cripple. Now, I don't use the word cripple because I don't think it's politically correct and I just didn't like it. it. To me, it made people feel, you know, um, less than or something. So if me and my children were in Walmart and we saw someone in a wheelchair and my son would ask a question, I said, don't point and ask a question to me. Let's go talk to the person in the wheelchair and, um, and we'll ask them why they're in the wheelchair. But I didn't think it was kind to say, stop pointing and walk away. So I didn't use the word cripple, but God did. And so after that was over, I'm shaking and jerking, kind of like what Nancy was talking about earlier because I couldn't contain the power of my body. And I was doing like this. And I was sitting on the, on the steps of the church and I was freaking out because I just had been crippled and couldn't move and now I can move and I can't stop moving. <laughs> right? And so my son walks up to me, the son who doesn't use the word cripple, and he says to me, Mama, they're in the back trying to heal a cripple. And when he said that, I leapt up and I jumped and I ran. I said, get him up. And I was screaming, get him up. He can walk. Get him up. That louder, louder. And I'm screaming, get him up. Now I heard God. And with all due respect, and I love the people that I'm telling this story about. And if they hear this story and they're offended, I'm not trying to offend them. And I love them whether they believe me or not. They were my forefathers. They grew me up and they groomed me and they taught me. But I was used to be afraid to tell the story because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you know what? I need to tell the story. God said, if you hear it in the ear, shout on the rooftop. I was told not to tell it because I'd hurt people, so I quit telling it. But God told it to me. So I'm not going to quit telling it. I'm no longer going to fear man or fear man rejecting me or judging me because they're going to do it anyway. <laughs> but as I run down there and I distort everything and everything's out of control now, I'm like, I am chaotic. God brings order out of chaos. And so he, I was without form and void. 
And I get to where this paraplegic was who came in blowing in a straw and his arms are raised. And he's worshiping God. He blew in a straw. His arms were strapped down so they wouldn't fall off. And the man's raising his arms. Why? Because I was like this in the floor. And God's saying, heal the cripple. And I'm going, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Not only did that happen, but my left ear went numb and so did my face. He had severe pain in his left ear and in his sinuses. And I went numb in those two places. And this man is now healed in all those places. And they said, lady, lady, what are you, 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 you quenched the Holy Ghost. Lady, stop, stop. Like, no, get him up. You don't understand. I was crippled. Everything that he got healed was in my body. Get him up. Get him up. He can walk. Lady, lady, come up front. So I go up front and I'm, I'm still shaking like that. And they lay hands on me and down the floor I go again. And they pull the man up about as far as you are to me. And they're praying for him. And fire gets in my hips all the way down to my toes. My legs are on fire. And my husband thinks I've totally lost my mind and they're going to have to lock me up. <laughs> and I said, touch my legs and see if I'm lying to you. People could not hold their hand on my leg very long. They had to pull it off. It was that hot. I felt the fire that didn't consume me or hurt me. But they could not hold their hand on my leg for very long without having to pull their hand off. It was that hot. And I'm begging them, let me touch them. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm begging. And they're going, no, Angela, just lay here. Just lay here. Don't just leave them alone. Like, in other words, you, you done made a mess now. And I'm, I'm begging them and nobody, and the fire passes. And the man lives another quite a few years, but he never walked. For three weeks, I mourned and couldn't eat. I was so broken. And at home, I had this like Tourette's thing going that wouldn't go away. My mother thought I needed to go to the doctor. Just the residue of the presence of God, my body couldn't handle it. I was eating popcorn one night at the, while we were sitting down watching TV, and it had pretty much stopped. And I'm eating popcorn, and all of a sudden I slap myself in the face, and popcorn goes everywhere. I'm like, God, that's not funny. He said, No, from here it's really funny. <laughs> Michael's going, What are you doing? I'm like, You don't want to know. So later on, God's telling me, I said, God, what happened? Why, 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 didn't you, why wouldn't you heal him? I begged you. He said, because you let man tell you what to do when I spoke to you. You believed you were out of order. Well, I knew they were going to take me to the church the next day. I knew I was going to get reprimanded. I knew I was going to be in trouble. And I said, Father, I don't know what to say. What do I say when I go before my leaders? Now, these are men and women that love me, and I love them. I'm a pillar in the church at the moment. I'm, I'm ministering deliverance ministry. I minister in family counseling. I'm up at the altar praying for people. I give prophetic words. and, and, and It's my family. This is not like I just showed up one day. They honor me and I honor them. This is like a daddy to me, a spiritual daddy. And I said, God, what do I say? He said, when you get there, you ask them, by what order did I ordain children? And I went, oh my goodness, marriage. He said, and they will not answer you. He said, and then you ask them this question when they don't answer you. Who then gives life during rape, incest, fornication and adultery because see the the correction was God does not move out of his order that was my correction 
And I said, I knew y'all couldn't answer me. My husband was with me. I asked God for my husband to be with me. I knew my pastor was going to call me in. And I said, God, I please have one elder. There was one elder, my pastor, and my husband, and me. And they honored me. They loved me. They were kind to me. They were not rude to me in any way, shape, or form. They were doing what they knew to be best for the body of Christ. But God was rebuking me, not them. God didn't discipline them. God disciplined me. And he said, what are you going to do next time I tell you something and man tells you no? He said, you've judged women for partial birth abortion. That was up before the courts at that exact time. You've judged people for partial birth, birth abortion and you've, done, and you've judged accurately, but you abort my word all the time and you don't even grieve over it. This is the first time I had grieved. So then I began to weep that I had aborted the word of God and weep and weep and weep and weep and I was consumed with grief that I had, I had aborted the word of God. And God in his wisdom consoled me. I actually saw a huge pile of bones because remember bones and words are the same thing. I saw a huge pile of bones and it looked like what you would imagine the Holocaust. And he said, this is my word and my people. It's gone into my people and it's died. And I'm grieving and I'm saying, God, forgive us. I'm, I'm wailing. And he says, Angela, every seed goes into the ground and dies. Look at my word when I gave it to Moses. Moses broke it. Look at my son. He came to die. My word came in you and it died. And on the third day it will rise. Guess what day we're in from the time of Pentecost? Third day. Zero to 999, day one. 1,000 to 1,999, day two. 2,000 to 2,999, day three. And early in the morning. Guess when, it, when a day starts in the Hebrew calendar? The night the day before. So that means in 1,500, we started day three. Does that make sense to you? God says the only sign you'll be given is the sign of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days. And the Holy Ghost has been in your belly how long? Three days. Guess what Jonah's name means? Dove. The Bible says in the last days when men will, will travail or wail, travail, wail, as a woman in labor, and that day shall be the great and terrible day of the Lord. And what came out of the whale? Peace. W-H-A-L-E and W-A-I-L are the same word. When I travailed and I wailed and I saw this pile of bones, God said, prophesy to these bones and tell them to live. And when I did, those bones turned into a Bible and it opened up on the floor in front of me. And I got up and I stood on, well, I stood before the Bible, and when I did, all the letters on the pages stood up like trees. And I stepped onto this book, the Word of God, and I could walk around the letters and look up at the letter P. I could look at the, the trunk of the letters. I could walk around them. And God said, I'm going to open the Word of God to you like you've never seen. You've seen it flat in one dimension. I'm about to, to bring it 3D to you. And you will see things you've never seen. I travel all across the United States and people tell me I've never heard this. Have you ever heard this? Yeah, I've never heard it either until I heard it. I didn't hear it like going somewhere. I was broken for a man who never walked and I bore his crippled in my legs. 
Say, I was told, don't say that story, Angela. People are going to think bad of your church. So I didn't say anything because I didn't want to hurt the people I loved. But by not saying anything, I'm hurting the whole body of Christ. Because we need to understand that we need to manifest as the sons of God in the earth and we don't even know what that looks like. You are already made in the image of God. Positive, negative, and neutral. And it is declared in everything that God created. That, my friend, is the power and the revelation of the Godhead talked about in Romans 1 and 20. In the 1990s, I began asking God, God, if the, if the Godhead's clearly seen, why can't I see it? He said, because Isaiah prophesied well. Seeing you can't see and hearing you can't hear. And the light truly did come into the darkness. That word darkness means void, the bride. And the void perceived it not. Are we blind? He said, if you would just say you can't see, nothing would be held against you, but you think you can see. See, I thought I could see. Now I know that I'm perpetually blind and my eyes see in part and know in part. They don't see clearly. I need my husband as my head. Why? Because my eyes don't work. You know what that, why they don't work? Because they look through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They keep wondering, Patty, what I could do. You can't do anything. It's not about doing. Now, do I do things? Of course. Like I get up and go to the bathroom, brush my teeth and eat and go to sleep and I work and I study and all those things. But I don't do it. It really is Christ in me. Nancy, when she first met me, um, even uh, Tara, when I came here the first time, uh, that they asked me to come back, they would say, well, what, what, kind of, what, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? I said, just make a whole bunch of messed up plans. He'll fix it. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. I'm not kidding you. People think they've got to get everything perfect. Guess what? Your best is going to be filthy rags. It's what it's going to be. But that's okay. Jesus loves to bring order out of chaos. Do you know that that's what it means to be alive? If you're a scientist, one of the definitions of something living is that it's made out of carbon, which is not even true anymore because now you can make carbon in a lab synthetically and they call that um, natural because it has um, a double carbon in it, compound carbon. But the, one of the true definitions of life is anything that takes Something out of chaos and brings order into it. Like my lungs, watch. See, my lungs took all this chaotic stuff in the air and it rightly divided it without my help or my knowledge. Patty, I didn't do anything. As a matter of fact, I can't not breathe unless I die. See, I can't stop life, can I? I'm not big enough to mess God up. People say if and then. If and then is a lie. It's the Old Testament part that had to die. If you do this, then God will do that. If you do this, then God will do that. If you do this, then God will do that. How long have you been trying that? No, God said, you know what? You can't. I'll do it because of my word's sake. Because of my name's sake. Because I promised Abraham, I'll do it because you can't do it. He gave us the law to show us that we couldn't. That's why he gave us the law. So what happens is those seeds, when God said, my seed was meant to die. 
Now just breathe the breath of life and tell it to live. Now let's look at yod he vav he. Yod is the tenth letter of the alphabet. It means the fullness of one. Tenth letter means the fullness of one. Yod. A yod can be manifested pointing up and pointing down. Seen, uh, unseen, seen. Heaven, earth. Male, female. Right? That's what it is. The pointing up yod means power from heaven. The pointing down yod means power manifested in humility on earth. The power of God was manifested in a humble man on earth named Jesus. The first letter of the alphabet is yod, vav, yod. It means to be aloof. It means one that can't be figured out. And God is the aleph and the tav. We say alpha and omega. It's really not omega. Omega is a Greek word. Tav is a Hebrew word. Tav means complete. Um, omega means over, end, the end. No, the end means a completion in the word tav. It means a whole lot more than like, okay, the show's over. No, the show's not over. It means it's complete. It's mature. It's now able to give birth. It's the bride. She's mature. She's coming to her fullness. So the alpha and the omega is the beginning and the tav. It is finished. The crowning glory is what that word means. It means it is my bride. Why? Because the Bible says a wife is the crown and glory of her husband. So when he said it's finished, he was literally saying, this is my bride. Take a break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about quantum physics and what that positive and negative and neutral looks like in you.